Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast, where we learn from the best about the business side of the food service industry. You make food, then let us help you make money doing it. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food Make Money on Instagram or Facebook, or email us info at businesschef.org. Welcome to the Business Chef Podcast. I, of course, am your host, Chef Sean Boucher. This week, we're talking to one of my favorite human beings, someone who knows her way around food because she's grown up with it, been around it, reported on it, told stories about it, and continues to do so. My good friend Kathy Stevenson is here from the Salt Lake Tribune here in Salt Lake City, Utah. She is the food writer. She talks a little bit about what we as operators need to do to get noticed by her and other media outlets if we have a concept or we have an idea or a food truck or whatever it might be that we want to get to the masses. She tells us a little bit how we can do that, how we can promote ourselves, how we can get in touch with her, and how we can tell a story that is interesting enough to be told on a grander scale. So, without further ado, let me introduce you to my good friend, Kathy Stevenson, and let her tell you a little bit about how she got started in this business. Uh, I like to tell people that uh, writing and journalism found me. I didn't really go find it. <laughs> I um, really, I loved English and reading and writing in high school, but I had never really considered journalism as a degree. And then I had a friend who worked at the Tribune, and they said, hey, we need somebody in our information department to answer phones. And so I got hired to do that in college. I did. I answered phones, and I was a typist. And the newsroom is um, addicting, is what I call it. You know, you're, you're there, people are really smart, they're well-read, and you know what's going, you're the first one to know what's going on in the state, right? So um, that really um, became exciting for me, so then I switched my major to communications at the U. So, and then I've just worked at the Tribune for 30 years. So I started in college and then when I graduated, I became a reporter. I started on the news side, um, covering city councils. And then I covered uh, public education for 10 years. And uh, then when the food job opened up, um, I of course jumped at it. I come from a big fat Greek family who cooks and eats and, you know, um, so cooking was part of my heritage and part of what I loved. And so that was a great transition for me. And I've been doing that since 2000. So yeah, so uh, this will be my, June 1st will be my 18th anniversary. And I think food writing over those, you know, 18 years has really changed for me. It started as uh, more recipes talking to um, home cooks and, you know, writing recipes for them. But then, as we all know, the Internet has changed, really, how we find recipes. I'm still I'm still a cook, and I still love recipes, but even I get on Pinterest and get on the web. And, and so I, um, it's not that people don't come to the newspaper for recipes, but I think they come to us more for news. So my job has become more about... 
um, food news. So I write about the new restaurants that are coming up, the restaurants that have closed, um, laws that affect farmers markets and farmers and alcohol. And so a little bit, it's kind of been fun because I feel like I've kind of gone back to my news roots a little bit and you know so it sounds to me that if you could pick one thing to write about because obviously you probably get to write about a lot of different things that one thing would probably be the news or in particular food news what's going on out there really news is something new so anything that's new that a new restaurant uh a new chef coming in a new ingredient that i haven't heard about i always Tell people like, well, I feel like I'm kind of plugged in, and if I haven't heard about an ingredient, <laughs> guessing other people haven't either. So, um, asking good questions. So I just kind of call around and find chefs like you or, you know, whoever, and I call them up and I say, hey, tell me about this ingredient you're using and what's cool about it, and can I buy it at the grocery store? Can I go make it? You know, where can I try it? So you know, um, always kind of being in the know, and if I don't know. I get to go ask questions and find out. So that that's really the fun part of the job. Uh, really, the reporting is the funnest part. You're sitting down and then you think, oh, my gosh, what am I going to write? How am I going to write this? So writing is the struggle, right? <laughs> but once it comes out, you go, oh, that wasn't so bad. So being in food for 18 years and writing about it and, and reporting on it, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. What advice would you give to somebody who says, you know, I'd love to be in food. I, I'm a decent writer. I like writing. I maybe don't love working in a kitchen all day, every day. I don't know that that's really me, but would love to get into writing about food. Someone of your stature <laughs> who has 18 years of experience, if you could give a bit of advice to someone who wants to get into this business on the writing or reporting side, and maybe not the operations side, what would you tell them? Be your own reporter. Be be curious. If you're interested in something, somebody else probably is too, you know. <laughs> so um, I think blogs are, um, I mean, I rely on blogs now too because now they're, those people have become experts now. So I think a blog is a great way to start. Um, I think blogs have become more niche, right? So you're, your focus is either the South Beach diet or, you know, desserts or, you know, some, I think I think people are kind of looking for experts kind of in that way. I don't know how many, um, but there's some generalist blogs too. Um, I think blogging is a great way to start just because writing um, is all about practice. You don't, you know, people always say, I want your job. And I'm like, yeah, but I've been doing it 30 years. <laughs> so really it's just about practice, writing every day. You know, being um, and then asking good questions and being out in your community. You know, it's easy to kind of sit home and do your own little thing. But it's good to get out and go to a, a cooking class or go, you know, go to an event, um, you know, go. And most foodies do that anyway. You know, they're all they go more than even I do. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just I just think being interested and being involved in the community and finding something that you think is cool and sharing it with people. And it's so easy now with social media. Um, you know, social media has become my one of my sources. I, you know, when I see somebody writing about it, I think, hey, I'll, you know, I'm going to do a story on that, you know. So um, I'm a follower of food lovers, too. They're the ones that give me my story ideas. They call me. They email me. So a lot of things that are in the Tribune are because somebody 
let me know they were doing something cool. And now what bit of advice would you give to someone, say, like me, who's an operator and has an event coming up or wants to get people out to something? What what advice do you give them besides obviously being proactive and letting you know? What else would you say? And I always tell people I would much rather write about something like an event um, in advance so then people can go to it, right? If I – you know, say this cool thing's going on on Tuesday, then you can make plans to go. But if I go on Tuesday and it runs Wednesday or Thursday, it's kind of lost its glitter, right? Because they can't, people can't go. So I, I do think being proactive and kind of thinking in advance of events or, um, you know, because you're trying to get people to come, right? People to experience it for themselves. Um, which is how I feel like that's my job, right? I'm supposed to tell you what's going on and you get to go experience for yourself. So obviously the Tribune's a big paper and I'm sure there's others around the country that have similar precedents, but you have food writers and you have reviewers. And what what is the difference there? Um, now reviewers, that's kind of a little different thing. Reviewers go and tell you their opinion. I think there's a place for both of those in the world. You know, there's um, – I, I never wanted to be a reviewer. <laughs> I always wanted to be the news person and tell everybody about the cool things. So, And how does that work? How does one become a food reviewer? So uh, I'm the only food writer on staff. So I am in charge of um, our three restaurant critics who are freelancers. So I kind of keep tabs on new restaurants – who's coming, you know, when they're opening. Um, and then um, I kind of check them out to make sure um, there's something we think we um, should spend money on and review. Because we, we only have so much space and time as well. So we can't review every restaurant. So um, when, when we kind of feel like there's a restaurant, we put it on the list and I assign it out and our restaurant reviewers go our restaurant reviewers um, try to be as anonymous as possible. That's more difficult in today's social media world. But, you know, we don't want them calling the chef and saying, hey, I'm coming. You know, if they just make a reservation, sometimes under their name or their husband's name or their friend's name or whatever. And they just go and they try and experience the restaurant like any regular diner. We have them go twice because sometimes... A restaurant is you know, not on, you know, sometimes you have a bad day, and we understand that. So um, we try to get them to go twice, try different times, different foods, and then um, they write their review. But we always let the restaurant know that we have come, and we ask them if we can come get photographs. So they they have a heads up. It's not, we're not a gotcha kind of thing. <laughs> they know it's coming. Um and a lot of times the reviewer, after they've been there, calls and asks questions to make sure, you know, they're not saying a dish is made one way when it's not. Or So we really try hard to um, be anonymous but also be fair and truthful. So And then the reviews come out. Um, I think we're pretty selective. Um, we try not to do – although there's so many more fast casual restaurants. It's hard to review a fast casual restaurant sometimes because their menu's not really super broad. It is kind of one thing. But – if it's newsworthy, you know, we've done it. So, you know, if there's something about the chef, the chef used to be in fine dining and now he's doing this or, you know, it's a new concept for Utah we haven't done. So, you know, we, um, you never know just kind of what kind of I think seems interesting and 
Yeah. Um, we yeah. So we pay the. We always pay. We don't let the chefs pay. We always pay, which I think is uh, unique in this day and age. A lot of times, bloggers go and get free food, and that you know that's their prerogative. That's the way they do it. But we feel like we need to be anonymous and pay for the food, and you know, and that kind of helps us be a little bit more objective. So. So after you've done a review, what kind of effect do you think that has on the restaurant? You know, what do you what do you hear? People say nobody reads the newspaper anymore, but they do read us online, and and um, it it has a broad effect. I hear um, from many people who say, um, you know, we opened and we had kind of social media and we had a little bit, and then when the Tribune review ran, we were swamped. So um, I do think people um, understand that we're, we're not being paid. It's not an advertisement. We're, we're trying to just go in and be a regular you know, customer. This is what you'll get. I think we're pretty honest about that. And I think we give them the benefit of the doubt. If there's something kind of off, you know, it, I think it's great for the restaurants too because I've had so many chefs call me and say, you know, thank you. We're, we're going to work on those things, right? So – I think they appreciate it, too, because, you know, sometimes it's hard to tell somebody, you know, the way you're cooking that chicken is just not going for me. So I think when um, when chefs call us back and say, hey, now you were a little bit critical, but I think that's good. We're going to try and change. And and so, you know, I, I, I feel like that helps the whole community to, to do that. So, so people don't um, – I think because we are fair, I think they don't mind – the reviews, you know. And we've had a couple where the reviewer has gone and said, I don't think this restaurant's going to make it. And so we, we've stopped. We don't write about it because if, if it's already going down, we don't need to like hit the hammer on the head, right? It's like, okay, this restaurant is not, I don't want to say we don't review bad restaurants, but sometimes you can tell when it's just not working and something's going to probably happen. And so, um, you know, that's happened to us before. We've written about restaurants that we thought were great. In fact, we gave Ikigai like a four-star review and then two weeks later it closed. And we were like, what? But it was nothing to do with the food. It was the ownership and the management of the building. And, and so, yeah, so, you know, reviews uh, help. I think they definitely help, though. Yeah. They kind of get back to your question. I think they definitely um, – Bring attention, you know, people in print and online, and we put them on our Facebook and we share them, and people share them with their friends, and so I think the reach is great. Yeah, and a lot of the restaurants we don't review, I might write a story about. Um, so what you're saying is, it's not always necessarily about a review or being brand new. There, there might be some other interesting aspects of the business. What would our our listeners need to do to to kind of go after that aspect of it or you know what are you looking for what is the story do you have you know do you have something interesting or unique that you're doing that maybe doesn't qualify for a review maybe you're several years old because we really just do new restaurants for our reviews but maybe it's worth coming back and saying hey we've you know we have these employees who've been with us, you know, since we began 20 years ago or something. I mean, there's always maybe a news story in it. Um, and um, I love to write about those, too. 
then I get to interview people and, and do it that way. So it's not necessarily a secret anonymous <laughs> review. But, uh, but those do well, too. People love to read those stories. You know, just like to hear, you know, the backstory of a business. So in thinking about this from an operator standpoint, what can I do as an operator to really, you know, we, we talked about to improve my chances to get you in the door, to, to get you to tell my story, but what can I do after that runs or before that runs? And from the sounds of it, and what I would say is that really a review or a story is simply marketing. Your operations really have to be where they should be before you have that done because it's only going to compound if it's good then that's great people will probably have a great experience but if it's bad it's probably not necessarily going to change anything just by getting a review we always say even if um you know a couple of our reviewers have said i think the chef knew who i was and i say we know that's okay once you're there because you can't really change you know, you can't change your whole menu, you can't change your restaurant, you can't change how clean the bathroom is. I mean, you know, <laughs> once we're there, you, you are who you are. So I said, that's okay, you know. So um, maybe as a business, looking at it as a reviewer, if I was a reviewer and I came in, what would you see? You know, don't not be on the one side, kind of look on the consumer side and what do you see? What, you know, are the plates chipped? You know, is the service slow? I mean, always kind of be thinking consumer side. And really that's, I feel like that's what the newspaper does. We're always like, you know, we're, we're consumers too. So, you know, is it worth my money? A lot of times restaurants are, I mean, it's great food, but the price is pretty high sometimes. And good food costs a lot of money and we know that. So we might say, this is a special occasion restaurant where you're going to splurge, <laughs> you know, and sometimes they get mad about that. Well, that, you know, prices have to be high. And I know food costs are high, so I get I get that. But for average people, we need to be saying, just so you know, things are $20 and above, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> so that people aren't caught off guard. A lot of companies, when they send me press releases, they won't send me the prices. And I say, can I have your prices, a price range? And they're like, well, we don't, you know, that scares people away. And it's like, well, that's the information consumers want. So there is kind of this struggle between, you know, people like cheap food. I know that. And food is expensive. And I I think people don't appreciate that, right? But um, on the other side, you know, uh, businesses could maybe help if they forthcoming. Yeah. I agree with you. I don't think you want to hide anything from the consumers, and they're going to find out eventually. You might as well be forthcoming with that information. So when these reviewers go in and do these reviews, are they filling out a form? Is there certain criteria? You know, we ask them to um, try several different entrees, and if it's lunch, at least go once to lunch. Um, They bring friends or family with them usually, so they try several different things. Um, and like I said before, they go different times because one day might be bad, you know, one not. But really, it's just um, the dishes they like. We always have them pick a dish of the week. Like one thing that if you're going to go, you know, this was the my favorite thing. So um, sometimes that's nice to have just to know that like, okay, the reviewer maybe didn't like two or three things, but they really liked this one thing. So usually it's the signature dish. You know, there's a re- most restaurants have – 
four or five things they do well and then a few things, you know, they feel like they need to put on the menu and maybe they're not devoted to them. And, you, and customers can always tell that, right? So um, so usually there's there's always something good to say about restaurants. I mean, so, you know, sometimes maybe they lack great service, but the food is great or um, – it's interesting sometimes when it's um, an ethnic restaurant because those people are coming from another country and they have a language barrier. And so I don't want to say we, we give them a pass, but that's taken into consideration. Like, you know, there's people who will speak English and you can communicate with them. And so I think we, um, we're kind of encouraging people to go to those kind of restaurants and to not be afraid to go to those restaurants. Um, but they're not going to be the five-star fancy dining, <laughs> you know, so um, I think I think that's kind of what we give people is kind of the, it, it might be a three-star restaurant because of its authentic. So when it comes to the stars, who decides that? Is that a individual decision? Do you decide that? Is it made by a group or committee? Does the reviewer decide that? How does that work? It's really based on the reviewer. And, you know, there is debate. And we've gone back and forth years at the Tribune. Do we keep the stars? Do we not keep the stars? You know, a lot of, re- a lot of newspapers have gotten rid of the stars. Um, there is a little bit of – it seems a little arbitrary sometimes. But um, it's a quick way for people to see, like, okay, well, that was two stars. And the, and the code says two stars is very good. So, okay, they liked it, you know. Um, four stars is excellent. So, um I don't know. So we have that debate constantly. In fact, not very long ago, we were like, should we keep the stars? Especially as we move online. Um, I think the online reviews don't, the stars kind of don't translate as well. So, you know, we're always changing and thinking about things. Um, so I suppose if people don't like the star system, they should email me. <laughs> and we can talk more about it. Well, it's a debate we've had because stars, like you said, they are kind of, so you're saying it's pretty subjective to basically who was ever doing the review. Very subjective, yeah. And what uh, Larissa, one reviewer, thinks might be three stars, another one might be two or two and a half. So, you know, it is. It's a little subjective. So, <laughs> and we and we get that, you know. So if somebody complains, we're usually like, yeah, you're probably right. So, <laughs> so uh, but we try the best we can, kind of to give the reader an idea of what they're going to get in a snapshot of the little box with the stars. So, Well, it's definitely fascinating to me, and it kind of solidifies some thoughts that I, I maybe had on it. So uh, words of advice for someone who maybe wants to get into food writing. There's so many opportunities out there, I think, um, for blogging and writing, social media. I mean, there's just really um, – you know, lots, lots of people just like to do Yelp reviews kind of to practice. Um, and I think that's kind of fun because you end up – you can tell the ones who are practicing on Yelp who write some good – you know, don't just say – you know, we don't use tasty in our reviews, right? Because tasty doesn't mean anything, you know. So we like to – you know, so you can tell the reviewers who really kind of have cr- tried to practice their word craft and be better at explaining things. So those are kind of fun to read. Last but certainly not least, if someone has a story to tell and they want to talk to you or they want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to do that? My email is kathys at sltrib.com. And Kathy's with a K, K A T H Y S. Uh, my phone number, you can call me 801 
Well, maybe we can have you back. Hopefully, we didn't scare you away too much on this. No, and I'm always happy to hear new stories because really. Um, that's how I. That's how I find them because I have to have more eyes and ears than just myself. So, um, and there's lots of good sources out there. So I'm happy to to hear new uh, new story ideas. Well, like I said, you're the best. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun. Thank you. Hey, thanks for sticking around. Be sure to share this podcast with your friends, family, co-workers, or anyone who's interested in making food and money. And when you get a second, give us a review. It really helps us get the word out as well as letting us know how we're doing. Want to connect with us? Check us out at Make Food, Make Money on Instagram or Facebook. Or email us, info at businesschef.org. Hey guys, if you're looking for a new podcast, something about cooking, something about how to cook or learning how to cook, check out our new First Timers Cookbook podcast. It's over on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts and give it a listen. See what you think.